Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series entitled Imitate, a study on the book of 1 Thessalonians. For more information about CBC or how to get plugged in, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. Lord, we have sung and we acknowledge that you are mighty, that you are strong, um, that you are great. We will keep doing that because your word proclaims it. Your word acknowledges it. Your, your word directs us to it. And so as we come now and we worship through the scripture and we listen and we receive, I pray that your spirit would fall afresh on us. That you who dwell in us, uh, that you would fill us, that you would open our ears and open our eyes so that we may see and hear and not be blind and dumb and deaf and not harden our hearts, Lord, that we would not despise prophetic utterance, so to speak, but that we would embrace truth. Father, I pray for, the, for your son's glory and for your name and for your reputation that your church through your word and by your spirit would be built up right now. And I ask that you would do it despite me because I certainly cannot do that. I can't even build myself how can I build a church? And so you must do it, Lord Jesus, I pray you would. Um, I thank you for protecting us uh, for this, this, this storm this week. This reminds us that it's a broken world. It reminds us that, that we long for a savior who will return, who will set up a kingdom, who will restore the things the way they should be. Um, but for the most part, Lord, the only damage was, was physical and, and those things can be replaced. Kept just a few people lost their lives, which is tragic, but Lord, we're grateful that despite the power of this storm that we have been, we've been rescued. And so just help us um, to remember that you are good and that you uh, do good things and you protect us from these things. And, and losing electricity is not a big hassle, Lord, in the big scheme of things. So we thank you for that. Just use this time for your name, I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Hope you all are awake, right? You got a four-day weekend, most of you. You got a hurricane day. In the north, we had snow days. We got hurricane days in the south, right? <laughs> got to watch you some football. Anyone not get to watch football because your cable was out yesterday? See, and, and you're bitter this morning, aren't you? All right. <laughs> some of you Georgia fans are all happy thinking, we're good. You, yeah. You weren't thinking that 12 minutes left in the game. You were like, oh, we're going to lose to Carolina. Are you kidding me? So we'll see what happens. Don't put your hope all in Georgia football because eventually you're going to come in sad and I'm going to laugh because um, I ain't got a team, so I don't care, right? Um, my team doesn't, we have a team, but we don't really win anything, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, if you're new, you're visiting, maybe this is your first time here. Again, glad you're here. My name's Bill. One of the things that we do really every Sunday, you can, you can pretty much count on this, is that we are going to sing a couple songs, we're going to greet each other, but we're going to spend a good amount of time where we kind of open the scripture. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to work through books of the Bible. That's what we do primarily. Once in a while, we'll do a topical series. We've got one coming after this First Thessalonians series. But, but for the most part, we will open the scripture and we will work from the beginning of a book to the end of a book because we believe that's the best way to understand it in its context. And if you're new to the Bible, that may be kind of weird. And, and so um, I understand that. You might not even understand how the Bible really is the Bible. If you open your Bible, there is 66 books inside your Bible. All right. The, the scriptures are made up of, of 66 different books, 39 in the Old Testament, and then 27 in what's called the New Testament. And an easy way to remember that, 39, 3 times 9 is 27, right? You got that? That's simple math for most of us. Not me, but most of us. And, and so you have 66 books. And, and it's completely unique to any other book ever written because here's a book that's written over 1,500 years by multiple authors from all scopes of life, written on different continents, three different continents, three different languages. You got kings, you got shepherds, you got tax collectors, you got fishermen, you got the educated, you got the uneducated, you got all these people and they write and there's one common theme from beginning to end. How God has redeemed and rescued man through the person and work of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's the scripture. 
And so the Old Testament, those 39 books, they're pointing forward to, to what this Messiah would look like and what he would do. And then the 27 after, they're kind of revealing his life and his work and what he's accomplished and what he's going to do as he comes back. But now how we're to live in expectation of that Messiah who will one day come. But it's all about him. And so what we do is we just open it up. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started a brand new book, kind of one of those lesser known books in the scripture, uh, the first letter to the Thessalonian church, First Thessalonians. And what we saw was the Apostle Paul, about 50 AD, he's on his second missionary journey. And for the first time, he steps foot on what is modern day Greece. And he plants a couple churches and he comes to this kind of big old city, this kind of Houston, LA, San Francisco type city called Thessalonica. Big industry, lots of people, kind of central to everything that's going on. And he goes into the synagogue for three Saturdays and he preaches the gospel. And then he's there a couple more. We don't know exactly how much longer, but we know it's not a lot of time, maybe a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. He's only there for a little bit longer and he is run out of Dodge. His life is in danger. So he has to leave and he leaves behind this group of Christians. It's brand new. I mean, they're green. They're rookies, right? And he has to leave them behind. And it's killing him because he loves these folks. And so he spends the next couple of months trying to get back to them because they're facing severe opposition and persecution. So he's trying to get back and visit. He's trying to get back and visit. He's trying. And every time he, he tries, he can't get back to them. So it comes to a point, he's like, I, I got to do something because I want to know how they're doing. So he kind of gets his Navy SEAL Christian called named Timothy. He's kind of the young dude, right? Paul's the old dude. This is the young dude. He can go at night. He's kind of, you know, sneak in. So he sends Timothy back to find out how they're doing. So Timothy goes away for weeks and months. And finally, he comes back to Paul. And to Paul's relief, he hears everything is going great. They're persevering. They're actually going so well. This novice group of Christians, this green batch of Christians are doing so well. that They have become the example for everybody in Macedonia. They are the, the church that everyone wants to be like. The way they are living their lives, the way, they, the way they follow Christ, they have become an example for everybody. And Paul, being so thankful, sits down and he writes them a letter to express his gratitude and to encourage them and to clarify some questions they have because they've only been Christian for a very short time. And that letter is what we've been studying. So what we've been doing is we've been getting to read kind of their mail, 2,000 years ago their mail, and see a church that is worth imitating. Not what they do, not how they do their music, not how their kids' programs are, but who they are. We are looking at a group of people that we want to, they're imitating Christ and we want to imitate them as they imitate Christ. And that's what we've called this series. And that's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. And we come to a section today in chapter two, just four, four short little verses where Paul is again going to say, y'all are awesome. That's what, that's what he's going to say. He said, we are so thankful for you. He's going to tell them why. And I just... I love the Apostle Paul as an encourager. He gets a bad rap. Everyone thinks Paul's like this boring, mean, angry dude that just, you just repent and go to hell. That's the picture we have of Paul. That wasn't Paul. He says already, I was a loving father. I was like a loving mother. This is a guy who was an encourager because he knew that gracious words, like the proverb says, the gracious words are sweeter than honeycomb. Healing to the soul. I mean, how many of you know that? How many of you experience just healing words, gracious words, how they just build you? And how many on the flip side know that, that crushing words of criticism or, or rejection? And Paul knows it. And so he's going to give them gracious words. And here's your homework for this week. I gave you the last couple of weeks homework was read the book. You can still read the book, but here's your homework. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's good homework. Every day, your job is to speak graciously to one person, at least in your house. You don't have to stop at one, legalist people, all right? You're like, oh, I got my one, all right? Couple rules. Number one, you can't do it right now. You can't look over, honey, I love you. All right, done. Finish that project for tomorrow. You gotta wait three hours, all right? I said, this is kind of like, no, don't swim after you eat rule. Don't do anything good after church for three hours, okay? That doesn't count for three hours. But just be gracious to one person 
every day, speak graciously, right? And see how it's sweetness to the soul, okay? Nothing to do with the sermon, but that's a good homework for you. All right, so, so what we're gonna talk about today, Paul is gonna say, I am thankful for this. And what he is thankful for is basically what we are doing right now. What we are going to talk about right now is what you are doing right now. Now, the smart aleck in the room is thinking, well, I'm just sitting. So Fowler's going to preach on sitting. If that smart aleck is sitting next to you, hit him real quick, okay? You're allowed to do that. Because I'm not preaching on sitting. But what I am preaching on is, is, is the active participation of what we are called to do. We have a, a misnomer in the church that some of you grew up where you, kinda, you have your part and I have my part. And so your part is come in, shake a hand, be on parking team, be on greeting team. Maybe I served in nursery. That's my part. I sang a couple songs or I lip synced a couple songs or whatever. And now it's Bill's part. My part, Bill part. There, that is not, that is a false dichotomy. There is no my part, your part. It is our part. This entire thing is audience participation. This is going to be a struggle for some of y'all today because the 1045 service at our church is notorious. Okay, you guys are notorious. All right, so it's going to be a struggle for you to get out of your comfort zone, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you today to, to, to understand that you are part of this deal. Okay, it's kind of like I told you before, one of my favorite movies growing up, besides Star Wars and Indiana Jones and anything with Harrison Ford in it, was The NeverEnding Story, right? And, and so the never, don't go watch it if you're an adult. It'll ruin the movie. It'll ruin your childhood, all right? You're like, I like that movie. It's the stupidest thing ever. But, if, but back when you're 10 years old, this movie where this kid is reading a book and the book is unfolding, and at the end, he has this, this challenge where he has to realize that he is actually in the story. And he doesn't believe it. And he's, he's fighting. He's like, this can't be, how much is a book? And he has to name the princess. And it's the most anticlimactic, worst ending ever as he names the princess Moonchild, which is ridiculous. But any, the point is, he finally realizes that he is in the story. And when he realizes that he is part of the story, it comes alive to him. And for some of you, you need to realize that you're in the story and that you're part of this deal and it'll make it come alive. That you have a job, that there is audience participation, that you are right now doing more than sitting. And that is your job. And so we're going to talk about what that is today as we read chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. All right? So let me read our text. It's real short this week. And then we'll jump into it and kind of unpack it a little bit more. Verse 13. We thank God constantly for this. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but, at, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So it was always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. Kind of key verses in this section is verse 13 because 14, 16 kind of works with next week more. But so we're gonna focus most of our time there. But he starts off by saying, we thank God. The second time he said that, we thank God. We are thankful constantly. We are, we are so thankful for what? The way they receive the word of God. That's what he's thankful for. The way you receive truth. Man, we're so grateful. Here's what I'm thankful for, too. I want to compliment so many of you. The way you come ready to hear the word. I mean, I look out. And I see, for the most part, smiling faces. Some of you grumpy, frumpy, frozen, chosen still. All right. But mostly, I got some smiles. Right? Even the balcony people who hide back there. And I can't see you because I'm short, but I see you. I see smiles. I see people. I say, take out your Bibles. And, and some of you do. Some of you got your little phone. You're like, I'm, I, don't, I don't do that thing. I got my phone. Right? Okay, fine. That's fine. You got a copy of scripture? Look, if you're looking for a church and some of you are always calling us and, hey, help me find a church. I moved to Kansas. One way you know, do people need their Bibles? If they don't need their Bibles, then you don't need to go into the church. Just, just real simple, right? But, but you bring, you know, I say, yeah, okay, let's, let's read. And some of you, you take out your little flowery journal and you write notes, right? And real sweet and your flowery pen that matches. And that's the girls. If you're a guy and you have a flowery journal, come talk to me after the service. Okay. <laughs> 
but you're ready to receive the word. Dude, that makes my job so awesome. I mean, I've been to places I've preached and people are deader than a doornail and it's the worst thing. So what do I, want? I don't want to go back there. If you don't want me here, I don't want to be here. I'll go somewhere I want to be. People want me. I want to hear the word. And so you are doing what they are doing. And I love seeing you're leaning in some of you. You're, le- you're, you're, you're ready and you're awake. Not, some of you are nodding. Amen. Some of you are nodding off. That's fine. But th- that, that's the heart of this church. They are doing what y'all are doing and, and we want to continue to imitate it. And here's the kind of first big picture we want to keep doing. That we want to treat God's word as God's word. That's what they do. You received the word of God from us. You treated it, you received it as God's word. It's huge. Look, the church has looked completely different over the last 2,000 years. Church has changed. I mean, the early church, they're meeting in homes. Then you got cathedrals. Then you got wilderness. You got all sorts of things. And then you got music has changed. Believe it or not, at one time, some guy introduced this thing called the organ to the church. And all the old people are like, man, those young people with their organs, right? And now it's like the organs, like, yeah, those or- they got the collars and we go from that and this and guitars and drums. We go church and jeans, church and skinny jeans, church and sand. Churches look different for 2000 years in its, in its form. But I'll tell you this, the function of the church for 2000 years and even before that in the Old Testament believer has never changed. And that is the proclamation that is the heralding of God's word. That has not changed since Abraham and Moses to Paul. That is the way it started in Acts chapter two, where Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon. He preaches the word of God. 3000 people are saved. And then it says that those people were devoting themselves to the apostles teaching. All right. And when Paul shows up in Thessalonica, this is what he does. He goes as his custom in the Sabbath. He reasons with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. That's what he did. 2,000 years later, we're still heralding God's word, right? It's what we do. And it's not because we worship the Bible. Some Christians worship the Bible. We do not worship, this is not deity, not the fourth member of the Trinity, right? We do not worship scripture, but we give scripture priority because of its source, Where is the source of scripture? It says it two times in our verse, verse 13. And we thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of, okay, let's hear it, 1045, make sure you're awake. Who's the source? Okay, good. Which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of. So the source of the scripture, that's pretty good for y'all, man. That's good. You're better than the nine o'clock. The source is God. All right, let's just stop there. Look, I don't have time to unpack that. That phrase, I did a three-part series two years ago called Lagos that unpacked that phrase, right? And so if you're like, hey, I don't really believe it's God's word or I don't know about all these manuscripts or I don't know if we have the right books, go online, you can listen to it today and that'll explain it. And if it still doesn't make sense, come up, I'll take you to Barbaritos and we'll go talk about it, all right? It's on you. I'll drive, you pay. <laughs> uh, but... I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go have a conversation about how we know. But here's, what you, here's, where, here's where we're at right now. I'm just going to assume that that conversation went well with you. All right. And that we believe this, that our God is alive and our God has made himself known and our God has spoken and he has revealed himself in a way that we, the common man, the PE major can understand that he has done that. Right? Clearly. See, some things we can learn by just seeing. I learned that I'm not that powerful when I clean up my yard after a minor windstorm and, and that really shut everything down on the East Coast. I'm like, I'm not so powerful. God is powerful. I can learn that. I can look afterwards and see the beauty of a rainbow and, and, and all these things. I can look up in the stars. And I see there's something bigger. I can, I can learn by seeing. Just like you can learn by watching. My kids can w- learn things from me just by watching. They can learn how to sweep. By watching, they have, right? They can learn how to turn the TV on by watching. They can learn how to walk just by watching. But there are certain things that they cannot learn just by watching. That I actually have to open my heart and open my mouth and I have to speak to them. That that it's not knowable unless I share my mind. This This is what I think about this, guys. 
This is what I want you to do. This is the direction I want you to go. This is safe. This is not. So I have to take my boys and my daughter and I have to get on one knee and say, that is called a Dallas cowboy. And it is wicked. They are evil and we will never like them. So they will not know that unless I share my heart. Okay. They might just say, oh, good. That's a cool looking uniform. I have to share my heart. I have to share truth with them so that they learn what is in my soul. That's a funny way of explaining. That's what scripture is. Do you realize this is the heart and mind of God? It is what he wants you to know about him. What he wants you to know about life. Well, he, it is his revelation to you. How else are you going to know? You cannot look at the stars and say, there's a loving father who sent his son as a substitute for my sin. So that if I put my faith in that and in his resurrection, I can have eternal life. You can't look at the sun and see that. You just can't. You can see there's something bigger, something godlike, but you can't know specific. God has opened his mind and his heart in the scripture. He has revealed himself that we may know him. And your job as you sit right now is to receive and to treat it as God's word. You got two choices. You can say, yes, that is from God. That is true. Or you can be like an English teacher and just mark up that essay like you did to mine. Red, cross out, add, delete, wrong, 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 F, <laughs> miracles. We don't need miracles. Jonah and a whale, you know, flood, bleh. right? Heaven, hell, that's so 1800s. Marriage, different roles, disciplining children. Oh, get these things out of here. See, you can choose to believe or not. But here's what happens when you, or not, just so you know. When you reject simple, straightforward truth, it makes you dumb, right? And this is the verse we read earlier. It was not by accident that God has made the, the foolish things wise. He's made the wise foolish. And let me just kind of unpack, let me just show you very practically how this was living in 2016, just so you know, okay? So we are debating now as a culture where people use restrooms, right? It is ridiculous. And it's because as a culture, we have rejected the most simplistic truth that a three-year-old can identify. It's a boy, it's a girl. I mean, you just take him out to the park. Is that a boy dog or is that a girl dog? That's a boy dog. It's clearly a boy dog, right? Three-year-olds can do it. It is super clear. It is Genesis 1, 26 and 27. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. But when you reject three-year-old truth, you become dumb and you start wondering, well, is it really this? Is it really that? that that's, that's where we're at. I mean, it's, it's a rejection of simplistic truth. And so God, Romans chapter one, gives people over to be dumb because they want to be, because they've rejected what is clear, what is so clear, right? And that's, that's where we're at. And I want you to understand how we got here because now the truth is relative, right? Truth is whatever you say, as long as it's not Christian truth, it's, it's, it's acceptable, right? Isn't it amazing how toleration does not tolerate Jesus? It tolerates everything else. But I want you to see and understand how we got here, right? Because we all say, hey, we live in a culture, but most of us don't know how we got here and why it's important, right? And so I want you to understand what, where, what, what led up to this so that you can understand where we stand and why we stand. And to do it, I'm gonna need three volunteers. All right, this is the very active participation part of today's sermon. All right, I don't have any rewards in heaven for you. You're not getting a free card, but you will get to be part of the sermon if you come up. So three volunteers, just raise your hand if you wanna be a volunteer. All right, I got two, guys, two young strappy guys. I need, a, I need a lady. Where's a lady? Come on, Renee, come on up here. All right, all right, you guys are gonna have to be animated today, okay? All right, so just, you're adding to this. All right, Derek, you can have this. Put this tie on. All right, you can hold this. Renee, you're the light bulb. This is not Monopoly, by the way. All right, the light bulb, there you go. All right, you stand in the middle. All right, you guys stand just in a line right here. Derek, you can be on this side. Okay, yeah, equal line. All right, so historically speaking, men and women and children have gone to three sources for truth. All right, three sources of truth. We're, we're on the stage of truth right here. And we have three sources. First source, very 
ESV Bible, absolutely. Not the NIV, the ESV Bible has always been, right? Now, Scripture has been a source of truth historically, right? This is, represents reason or logic, right? The light bulb, all right? So our minds, and God has given us a mind, and so that has been a source of truth. This is a tie. Some of you have never worn one of these before. All right, there you go. This, this represents tradition, all right? So this is actually a, uh, I think it's a Grateful Dead tie. That's not really tradition as much, but... but so we have tradition as a source of truth, those who've gone before. We have reason and logic and we have scripture. And so the early church saw scripture as a priority. So, so scripture was the most important, but reason helped us understand scripture. And so did tradition because we had apostles and they walked with Jesus and they knew Jesus. And then we had irony and we had the guys that came after. So these two things helped us interpret that which is a priority. Okay. And it was great for a while. And in the early church is seeing all these attacks by, by uh, heretics and, and you, got, you have Arianism and all these isms, right? And so you've got great church leaders like Irenaeus and, and Basil of Caesarea and they, they come together with these councils and, and they form these creeds and they do a great job at defending the faith. And everyone says, tradition, you have done a phenomenal job. Why don't you step forward? Because we trust tradition to do a great job. And they've been so faithful man, we can put a lot of hope in tradition because these guys have been great. And then what happens is this, that the, the Bible is only in one language and it's Latin. And no one can read Latin except for the educated. And most people are not educated, right? So what we have to do is we have to trust the leaders, the bishops, they're gonna tell us what God has said because they're the ones that have the Bibles and we don't have the Bibles. And they're the ones that have the sacraments. And, they, and so, so we're putting way too much faith and hope in tradition. Why? Because they've been faithful in the past. And so scripture has taken a step back and tradition is the most important thing. Yeah, we still have the Bible, but we need tradition to tell us what, this is the, the final authority right now because they're, they're the most important thing. It works for a little bit. But then what happens is we have this period of time called the dark ages. And we got popes that are corrupt and we got indulgences and we got crusades and we got Mel Gibson fighting the British and we have all these things going on, right? And we, what we realize is, hey, tradition is not all it's cracked up to be. Tradition has taken my son and sent him to the Middle East to fight and die. Why? And tradition keeps taking my money so they can build a bunch of big buildings somewhere in Italy. Why? And, and tradition is... is been falsely interpreting the Bible, apparently, and telling us I can buy my way into heaven and tell us I can do all these things. And if I do, and they've been lying to us. And so tradition has failed us. And so what we need is a reformation. We need a bald German beer drinking monk named Martin Luther. <laughs> and we're going to nail some, some rules on a door and we're going to rebel. We no longer need tradition. And so we have a reformation. So tradition Thanks, but no thanks. We need you to leave the stage of truth because you have failed us. So you have to go now. You can leave the tie though, please. And so we have a reformation. I'm, I'm, yeah. See, I told you. I'm gonna, yeah, we're not gonna hang you on the stage. There we go. Very good. Thank you, Derek. So tradition has left the stage, right? And now what do we have? Reformation. We have a Bible in our own language. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Wycliffe. Thank you, all these boys. We have a German Bible. We have an English Bible. We got a Bible in our own language. And so we don't need tradition anymore. We got our minds and we got a Bible. Amen. Right? That's all we need. But then we, we go through that period and we see, well, you know what? We're, we're getting pretty good here. We, we enter a, a period of reason and, a, and an age of enlightenment. And we're seeing, man, man is pretty smart. We're building some impressive things and we are doing some impressive things. We got medicines and we're learning and we're getting smart. And it's, it's, it's you know, the, the age of Voltaire and I, I think therefore I am. And, and so do we really need the Bible telling us what to do. I mean, we can decide what we want to do. Look what we can do. We can build, we can, we can do things. We don't need stuffy scripture. We need reason. So reason takes a step forward and scripture's back. And, and eventually we say, you know what? what? We don't really need that at all. That's silly. Miracles, Jesus, look what we are doing. We, we can decide our future. We can make the world a better place because we think, therefore we are. 
And so scripture, it's been nice knowing you, but we don't need you as a source of truth anymore. Thank you very much for coming out. And so now we're left with just reason, which is great because we're doing all this stuff. And look, we can build a boat that will not sink. Oops. And we're going to have one war to end all wars. Oops. And what we see is logic and reason are the reason that six plus million Jews were exterminated. Because, oh, we're better. We're, we're a better race. And what we see is that logic and reason creates weapons that can wipe out humanity. And that really, logic and reason are promising results that they cannot deliver because we are not seemingly getting better. It seems like now we're getting worse. So logic and reason, you have let us down. Thanks, but no thanks. But you need to leave the stage of truth because you haven't delivered on your promises. And now, who is left on the stage of truth? Nobody, which is exactly where we are, right? Who decides truth? Well, I guess I do, right? I don't have tradition. I don't have scripture. I don't have a logical thing, male and female. So it's what I feel. It's what the culture says, whatever. But there's no, there's no anchor. This is where we live, y'all, right here. That's how we got here. It took 2,000 years, but this is how we are. And the reason I explain this to you is because as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you do not have to wonder about truth. What we would do if, if, I, if I had time is I call these three back on stage and say, no, we need scripture. Come back on stage. And we need it to take priority. But we also need tradition, not a tie, but we need those who have gone before us to help us and say, this is what, this is what we do. And we need our minds and reason because God has given you one to think. But the priority has always been scripture, Right? the heart and mind of God, that we would treat God's word as God's word. And then what we would do, what the Thessalonians do, is that we would accept it. It says, you heard it from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God. And the word accept there, it's the Greek word that means welcome like you're welcome someone in your home. So some of you go up to somebody and say, hey, why don't you guys come over this afternoon? We'll watch some golf, right? Come over at four, Right, bring the kids. And so the door's at four o'clock, someone's knocking at the door. What do you do? You just sit there like, ah. It's those guys that come around with their pamphlets. Just leave them outside. No, you open the door. Hey, Bubba, come on in. You give them a hug. They, they hand you some, so here's some, we brought you some kale. You're like, kale? But you know, thanks for the kale, you know? <laughs> what? You could have brought ice cream sandwiches. That would have been better. But come on in and you welcome them into your home. Come on, come sit on the couch. Let's watch some golf. Let's watch some football, whatever it is. That's the idea of this word that we not only treat it as God's word, but then we welcome it. Come on in. Eat some ice cream sandwiches. Welcome. Right? And so as a church, your job right now as you sit there is not only to, to treat it as God's word, but it's to welcome it in. Okay, yeah, speak, God. All right, and here's what's fun about our church. I, I, second service, I get to stand in the back and watch y'all sing because I sit down front for a service. But then if I sing second service real hard, then I lose my voice and I can't preach. So I have to stand in the back, right? So, but I get to watch y'all. And, and you guys have been in church most of you long enough that you kind of get the deal. You know how to worship through singing most of you. You know, some, some of your, you know, your hands up, woo, all the hands up people are down front. It's like a roller coaster. Everyone in the front always wants to go to the front that has their hands up, right? The people in the middle are scared. Right? And the people in the back are just late. <laughs> okay. So, but so that all the fun Pentecostals are up front and they're, woo, you know, dancing. They don't realize everyone behind them is like this. Right? <laughs> so, but anyway, so some of your hands up, some of you are lifting your hands, some of you close your eyes, some of you are lip syncing, whatever it is, right? But you have your way of engaging in worship. We know how to do the song thing. What we don't know how to do is the word thing. So we open the Bible and all of a sudden it's like, boom. It's the word of God. And then we just shut down. But let me encourage you. All right, there are several responses biblically of when the word is read or when the word is preached that you got to start getting a grasp on. All right. And, and this, for those of you of the more 
Pentecostal flair. This is going to be right up your alley. So I'm trusting in you and counting on y'all to bring us through this. But let me give you three words, right, that, that are churchy words, but that are also words that help you welcome the word. All right. First, first churchy word is amen or amen, right? Depending, you know, amen, 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 you know, whatever it is. Amen. And some of you, you say at the end of a prayer and you just don't even know why, right? And, and, and it simply at its, its core, what amen or amen means is let it be. Like the Beatles, let it be. All right, so, so be it. Yes, All right? It's just an agreement. I mean, in, in, in modern vernacular, it's like say, true that, or yeah, uh, that's, that's what I'm talking about, Willis, right? I mean, whatever. Whatever, I mean, David would have not used amen if he was living today, right? He would have been like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, something like, that's the heart of it, right? It's come on, I was preaching last week at, at the big pivot conference and Kenny Grant, my buddy, preaches at Calvary. He's down front. And every time I said something, he's like, come on, Bill. I'm like, well, you hush, I'm trying to get this thing done. <laughs> Are you getting me all fired up? I don't know what I'm doing here, right? But, but his idea was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, go. Okay, that's one response. That's a good one. Second word, hallelujah. Again, you see it. And it's just, hallelujah is just a word. It's actually right out of the Hebrew. That just means praise Yahweh. Hallel is the Hebrew word for praise Yahweh, the covenant name of God, hallelujah, Yahweh. So it just means praise God. It's like some of you, thank you, Jesus. Oh, amen, you know, that's good. Whatever it is, that's the heart of it. Right? And then the last word, it's the more introspective word, is salah. All right? And that just means think about it. You see that in the Psalms sometimes. So David says, hey, my, my days are like a hand breath. Teach me to number my days. Uh, it's just so short. Life is so short. Selah. Think about that. So a response is just, ooh, that's good. I need to think. I need to chew on that a little bit later. Like chewing the cud. Right? I need to come back on that one. Three great responses, vocally, but, but in, internally. But we're going to practice vocally because I, want you, because I want you to be engaged. And I, have, I want you to enjoy and be able to, to move. And, and I don't want a dead room. I just don't, it's, it's, who wants a dead room? Who wants to be part of a, uh, everyone just kind of going through the motions? That's, that's, that's not who we're called to be. Right? It's just not. So we're going to practice. And I'm a little nervous about y'all. I'm going to be honest with you. So, so some of you are still like, I don't know. If they, if they hear me talk next to me, I, oh, I don't know. So you're just going to have to get over yourself there. All right? But I, I just, this, this might be what, are, let me just read a couple passages to you. And just if you're feeling the spirit, all right? If you're just feeling the spirit, you can amen it. So be it. Come on, Bill it. I don't care what, I mean, just don't cuss. It's okay. But just. All right, so this is, this is just practice for you. And this, this is Pentecostal practice. Okay, well, that's what we'll call it, right? So, but it's, it's what we want in our hearts. All right, so here's, here's famous passage, ready? Okay. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength yeah. Um. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, see, you, get, you're, see, you guys are killing the nine o'clock this week. All right. Just telling you, I'm, I'm going to do this all. This is fun. All right. One more. Here we go. Just making sure you're getting this here. All right. Some of you are having flashbacks too. That's about, all right. All right. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right. That's the idea. All right, now that's, that's kind of fun and we're getting involved. That's the verbal idea of what we want inside though. 
right? Because we want to be a people who treat God's word as God's word. And then we're like, welcome, come on in. Because we have a God who is alive, right? And we have a God who is still speaking to his people by the word. And we have a God who is still answering prayer of his people. And we have a God who is still doing things that are beyond our comprehension. And he is still changing lives. And he's still at work and willing for his good pleasure. And so we as a people, we want to receive it. And we want to welcome it because it is God's work. Look at, look at the verse says again. He says, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Okay, if you're a believer, raise your hand, right? Okay, good. Should be most of us, hopefully, right? So you're a believer. It says the word right now is at work in you. That's present tense. It's not it did work in you, that the word is right now and work in you. And when you will welcome it and when you will receive it and when you will treat it, that is what God does. It is the Greek word for energy. We get our English word energy. It's the energy that's changing you. My jokes, my illustrations are funny tie. You know, I enjoy doing that. That doesn't change you has no power to change you. All my, my preparation and time that I spend trying to get this sermon put together, I, I think it's important, that doesn't change you, right? Getting the praise team color coordinated and, you know, when everyone's got the same socks and, and oh, we're going to have a smoke machine and, oh, they'll open up with Stairway to Heaven. That'll be great, you know? And, and that, I'm sure we could do that. We could have Ferris wheel rides and we could offer a free car and we could give out free candy. We're not going to do those things. The kids will get free candy maybe in class. But why? Because those things will not change. It is the word of God that will change you if you allow it. This is called by the Apostle Paul. It is the sword of the spirit. Okay, this is a weapon that is alive and active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces is, is the, to the deepest place, the soul. I can't do that as much as I try. It's a supernatural thing. It doesn't say that the sermon of Bill is, is, is living and active. It says the word of God. It doesn't say that the, the sermon of Bill is, is inspired by God and profitable. It says the word of God. Jesus doesn't say sanctify them in the sermon of Bill. He says sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Peter says long for the pure milk of the word that by it, the word, you may grow. Not long for great sermons from Bill that by it you may grow because it's, it's the word. Even the psalmist, when he says his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night and he will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. He won't move. He's going to bear fruit. It's not the sermons he's, developed, he's thinking about. It's the word. It's the law. And so this is why we encourage you guys to spend time in the word during the week. Not so that you can get your pretty little journal with your pretty little pen and go to your pretty little coffee shop and let everyone know that you're a pretty little Christian who reads their Bible every day. That is great because I do it. Okay, not with a pretty journal. I don't have a pretty journal. I have a black journal. It's very leather and manly, okay? <laughs> it smells like I just killed it. That's how good it is, right? But, <laughs> but you, you read the word so that you know the God who is the source of the word. It's, it's your time to understand and hear the heart and mind of God. I don't care how many quiet times in a row you've got. If you haven't heard from God, who cares? Okay, so it's it, the reason we encourage you to read First Thessalonians every day for a, a month or whatever, or spend time, even if it's five, 10 minutes, is so that you can know the heart and mind of your father who desperately wants to be with you, who is standing at the door and knocking and says, whoever opens the door, I will come in with him and I will dine with him and he with me. Okay, that's, that's why we encourage you guys in that way. And, that's, and we want to be a church that welcomes the word and welcomes God. And here's how it might look. We're not going to always be, I know, we're not going to always be amening, and we, which is fine. If you are, that's great. I want this place to rock on Sundays, right? I want it to be exciting and loud. I want you guys to be pumped and excited about the word of God. But really what we're talking about here, what welcoming the word looks like for you, it may not be verbal, but it's certainly internal. And I read something or we say something and it just strikes a chord and you're like, man, I need to salah on that for a couple minutes. And I need to take that home because right now I hate my life. 
but I need to know that because that will encourage me during the week. And maybe I need to encourage my roommate with that because they're super, super depressed right now. Or maybe this verse spoke to my soul and I just need to memorize it and focus on it this week and meditate on it because I need to salah on that. And that might be welcoming for you. Or others of you, you are still heading in this direction against where God says, you're still, you're still sleeping with your girlfriend. Or you know this relationship is poor. Or you're still throwing your money down that pit. And you know God is saying, no, 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 that is a disaster. You need to turn. And, and this is where God says to go. Isn't it amazing how God just knows how to get us where we're at sometimes? People come up to me after a sermon and be like, man, this just really spoke to me. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. Are you sure you were at our church? But it's how the Spirit of God just brings stuff where people are at. It's amazing. It's not me. But and you just, God puts his finger on this. No, you need to turn. And so welcoming and amening is not saying, yeah, that's true. But it's saying that's true. And now I'm going to stop lying to my parents because I know that's wrong. I'm going to start treating my wife with respect. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's welcoming. Right? So it's one thing to say it verbally, but the whole point is not so we just say it verbally. This is not an academic exercise so you can fill your journal. It's so that you will know God and you will follow him because his sheep hear his voice and they listen. That's who they were. They welcome it. They imitate. We want to imitate that. They treat it as God's word. And then the last thing is this. Let me just read the passage because we're going to get into this more next week. So we're just going to touch on it. But I want to highlight it just to be faithful to the text. So verse 14 through 16, he kind of highlights the result of what happened. For you brothers became imitators, there's our word, of the churches of God in Christ that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved. So it was always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Here's the idea there. He says, you guys followed everybody else and what happens every time someone starts swimming upstream from the culture and starts worshiping Christ instead of worshiping the, the culture? They are facing opposition. He says, look, this opposition you guys are facing, it's the same stuff that's happening in Israel. Same stuff that's happening in Jerusalem. They, they're doing it to the apostles. They're doing it to everyone there. You're not alone in this. They did it to all the old prophets, right? They did, they did it, he says, to Isaiah, and they did it to Jeremiah, and they did it to Joel, and they did it to Amos, and they did it to all these guys. They've constantly tried to hinder the message of God. And they even did it to the Lord Jesus himself. They even killed the Lord Jesus. And they drove us out. And you think about it. Jesus was the most loving, caring, serving, healing. All, all he did was preach hope, to the hope in him. Yeah, he got in the face of the Pharisees once in a while, but he still pointed them to forgiveness. He still showed them the way to eternal life. That's all he did. And they killed him. And what you need to understand is if you choose, especially younger folks, yep, I mean, high school, middle school, college, if you choose to follow Christ, I promise you on the authority of scripture, you will face opposition. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Why? Because they killed the Lord of glory. Who, are you greater than the Lord of glory? You're going oh, to be more loving. You're not, you can't be more loving than him. I'm just going to speak the truth in love. You can't do it more than he did. And I'm not saying go out and be obnoxious. Please hear me. I'm not saying go on the street corner and act like a fool. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this, high school student, if you're going to be pure and, and stay, keep yourself for, for marriage, if you're going to serve Christ, if you're not going to go to that talk in that way, or you're not going to do these things, you will be persecuted. It might just be, oh, they don't like you anymore. You might miss the promotion. You might do whatever. But there will be persecution of some type because the disciple is not greater than his master. And if they did it to Jesus, they'll do it to you. And here's the encouragement. It's okay. It's going to happen. All right, don't spaz. Take a chill pill. Relax. Some of you are like, I can't believe I took the take of out of the school. This is what Jesus said was going to happen. It's not new. They did it to Moses. And he, he took them through the Red Sea. Two days later, like, we want new food. I mean, so, so just, some of you just need to relax. And relax and, and understand this. Jesus tells us, he promises us. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. 
All right. And for 2000 years, the gates of hell have been trying and they've been failing. And the more oppression there is, go to China, the more the gospel spreads. All right. And so it's okay. Here's the encouragement for us. Here's where we imitate them. We want to persevere. Those who persevere to the end, Jesus says, will be saved. We do not want to be those who draw away when it gets hard. It's easy when everything's, you know, simple and there's lots of money and there's no persecution. It's easy. But as one preacher I listened to this week said, he said, the truest proof of saving faith is soaring during suffering. Look, why is it that some Christians can sing when they find out they just got cancer? When this family over here miscarriages, but they're there worshiping with tears in their eyes. How is it that this person just lost their job, but they can be smiling? How can, how can this person over here love their boss who is a jerk and treat them with respect? Because we have hope in a God who has made promises to us that he is going to do things beyond our, beyond our expectations. That's why. And so I want to encourage you to persevere. Don't be like the, the soil where Jesus says the sower threw the seed, it fell onto the rocky. It grows up real quick. There's joy. But then when the sun comes, it scorches and there's no root. And he explains it and says, hey, there's going to be those who get excited at first. But then when trial and persecution come, they show that they weren't the real deal. Those who persevere to the end, Jesus says, will be saved. And so for now, what are you doing now? You're not just sitting treating it as God's word, welcoming it and persevering in it. And here's why. Let me close with this and then we'll worship. Stand up as I read this because this is, this is great stuff that Jesus promises us. Great way to close. Matthew chapter seven, the end of his sermon on the mount. He says this, just listen to his words. Listen to your savior's words, y'all. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew. We get that, right? And beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That's what Jesus says we have been doing. Let me pray and then we will worship like those who believe our God is alive. Jesus, we thank you that you are the rock of our salvation, that you are our cornerstone. I pray just even a little bit that your people would be encouraged to seek you through your word by your spirit, that we would be a church through, though the culture sways back and forth, not knowing where truth is, that we have a source of truth. We have your word. And in simple faith, we believe, simple faith, childlike faith, just build your church, Lord Jesus. Save the lost. Use us uh, for your name's sake and your glory, I pray. Amen.